Hi, Steven. Hi, Erica. What? No happy birthday this time? It's still my birthday weekend. It's still your birthday. I'm I'm just amazed that we've because I think the last episode we did was like late May, May 31st or something like that when we did the oh. Daleks episode six. I only know this because I think I checked the last time I uploaded an episode, and now we've done two podcasts in two days. Yep, this is the nature of Lazy Doctor Who. We're, we're no rules, no holds barred. No. Crazy, could be anything. Because we said at the end of the last one that maybe we would hoodwink your parents into watching both <laughs> parts of The Edge of Destruction uh, and then do a podcast right after. And lo and behold, here we are doing it, the exact same thing. It worked. Yeah, they watched it with us. Happy birthday to me. Really, that is kind of the best birthday present that I could have hoped for. Not only for my parents to be here for the weekend in Canada with me on my birthday, but the weekend of my birthday to get to watch Doctor Who with my mom yeah. and dad, mm-hmm. um, who instilled the love of, of it into me in the first place. Aww. Oh, <laughs> it kind of makes sense now, doesn't it? Yeah. You watching it with Fangirl Prime, your mom, mm-hmm. who wasn't sure if she had actually even seen that story before. Yeah, she didn't recognize it. So it, she after the first episode, it was really fun because she's like, I want to know what happened. This is exciting, <laughs> which was wonderful because that ex- is exactly the reaction that I had when I watched this story for the first time kind of near the end of last year. I don't know six months ago something like that was it even that long ago it was for verity podcast that you watched this for him yes and it was at the end of 2014 because it was when we were still talking about villains and we watched this episode in the context of the tardis as a villain of sorts that's right yep so did you like it then i can't remember i did i really enjoyed it especially episode one but not episode two i liked episode two as well but it didn't seem i mean i've always i like beginnings that's a thing for me star wars is my favorite star wars movie i just i always like the first First chapter, first installment of things. And I love the mystery. I love the way this unfolds. Actually, even at the very end of the last episode of the Daleks, Mm -hmm. I thought that everybody did a great job of being tossed around the TARDIS. (laughs) Yeah, and I'd never really noticed this before until we watched it this time around, but I never saw Barbara in the room. Like in the last shot of the Daleks, the first shot of this, where the three of them get thrown about, Mm -hmm. uh, but Barbara doesn't appear. And then she later sort of shows up kind of like, oof, ah. She stumbles into the room, sort of. Yeah, and she's the only one who isn't like acting all crazy, either from concussion Mm -hmm. or perhaps we'll call it space madness. Right. I mean, she's she's clearly sort of forgotten things and she's not exactly sure what's going on. But yeah, she never doesn't completely black out in front of us. She doesn't go crazy. She doesn't Mm -hmm. start stabbing cushions with the scissors. Yeah, she is the... The rock behind mm-hmm. the whole thing. She's what makes everything happen and what makes everything sort of get solved at the end, which the mm-hmm. doctor takes a while to realize. But once he does, I thought it was a very sweet scene at the end where mm-hmm. uh, where he sort of doesn't really apologize, but <laughs> says no, no. nice things to her. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're a very important part of the ship, but we all owe you our lives and all that sort of thing. I thought it was a very nice moment, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think you really get the, the fact that Barbara is a, an empathetic creature. She's a mm-hmm. teacher. She's used to dealing with, you know, Know, intractable children and stuff and she she's kind of got the doctor sussed at this point i think and and she realizes she's not going to get a straight up apology from him because he's just too proud for that but but she can tell that he is 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 genuinely sorry mm-hmm. and and it just sort of lets it go by the end they're yeah. smiling and go off arm in arm mm-hmm. which is 
which is nice. Literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Ian thinks the same thing, too, when sort of he's, the doctor's stammering about that. And, uh, and Ian sort of says, don't bother to say anything. You know, sometimes I can read every thought on your face, you know, that sort of thing. And he sort of understands that this is probably the best he's going to get mm. for apologizing. <laughs> and it's a it's a nice team moment for this for this this team for and the story, I thought. It is. It is. And to get to that point, it's 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 all the sweeter because they are so fractured through the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of recriminations and, you know, threats. And it was it was very interesting. I, that's why I like the first episode so much, because you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. No idea what's going on. And and everybody's kind of against each other and acting weird. And and <laughs> my dad was not a big fan of this. He said it was much ado about nothing. Which it was. <laughs> it ends. Honest, He's like, not yeah. a lot happened in it. And I was like, that's exactly right. It's mm-hmm. all about the mood. It's all about the characters. It all takes place just within the TARDIS. I mean, these are all strong points for me. These are things that make me excited about it. So I, I like the fact that it kind of moves slow. And it's just, even the... It's not music, just the ambient sound, mm-hmm. especially at the very beginning where it's just kind of like a... That's music. Yeah. yeah, sort of, but but, still. but it's not it's not musical music. No. There's no tune going on. Yeah, so it just you kind of feel like that's the sound that you know that the TARDIS is is making in the background, and it all feels eerie. It does. It uh, when Susan said a line, which wasn't really picked up upon because it wasn't the actual um, solution in the episode, about how you know something getting into the ship, and she says maybe it's you know infected one of us in one of us in where, one of us. Where could it hide? What a, yeah, what a great line because, and then I was thinking, wow, how much does the Russell T Davies episode, which everyone loves, Midnight, mm-hmm. have to you know pay homage to this one because Ooh. that's very much what happens in in that. It's it's an mm-hmm. episode that takes place in ti- inside one room on that little cabin on that space mm-hmm. cruise that they're on. And sure enough, whatever this alien was is possessing you know various hiding in the people. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think it probably has a lot to owe to this, the edge of destruction. Yeah. Which I wouldn't be surprised. I think I think RTD would be a, 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 a very appreciative of this kind of story, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially in, in how it was made. Because I think Midnight was written over the course of a weekend, more or less to replace a story that didn't quite work out. Mm-hmm. And this one, there's the, the, this is a great history to this one. Because the, there was an old wives tale that... that sprung up around this two-part story set entirely inside the TARDIS with just the TARDIS crew. And everyone thought that um, it was because the sets for Marco Polo weren't finished. And so they had to delay it by two weeks and write this two-part story while they finished Marco Polo and thing. Well, a a more darker and less optimistic reason is is why it came about, I think. It's that... um, you know, in the in adventure in space and time, mm-hmm. when um, when Mervyn Pinfield, although mm-hmm. it shouldn't be him, no, it's Donald Baverstock. Donald Baverstock um, tells Sidney Newman to kill Doctor Who. It's costing too much money, and for a while there, they thought, well, we kind of like in order to fulfill its original thirteen episode run, we need to bring it to thirteen episodes. And of course, there's four already plus seven, so they only had two left to get to thirteen. Oh wow! So this was kind of written. To finish off Doctor Who. <laughs> so this could have been the very last uh, story in the history of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, by the time that, um, you know, they'd actually sat down to write this thing, the Daleks came and um, went and everything mm-hmm. took Saved off. Saved everybody. So, yeah, it was never, there was never any, you know, any tension by the time this thing went before the cameras. But that's why it came into being. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. 
I wonder if that sort of added to the darkness of the script itself in some way, because it really is a an uncomfortable, sad sort of story mm-hmm. most of the way through. But it ends happily. So, I mean, even, you know, if this was the very last episode, it... You even, you know, you actually kind of get a character arc for for the Doctor from, you know, these first 13 episodes. He, You see him turn a corner, I feel, you at do. the at the end of this. He's he's still a cranky old man, but he has realized that he does not know everything. He, he even admits Barbara saved everybody, mm-hmm. which she totally did. That was another thing Mom said right after we yeah. were done watching it. You know, not a lot happened. But, you know, we got to see how awesome Barbara is mm-hmm. or what a genius she is. I was like, yep. Yeah, that was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, and mm-hmm. and how he can you know come to trust his two new companions as mm-hmm. part of the team, and you know, and and they almost they just seem to be part of the team. You know, you're very important to us. Is what you know what mm-hmm. he says. It's not like we're trying to get home now. That is sort of the underlying thing. But now they're sort of accepted their lot, and they're just sort of in this together. It's mm-hmm. a great strong team. I quite like uh, the first TARDIS team. You know, and I think that. The fact that this story has them so at each other's throats, literally, in mm-hmm. some cases, uh, is part of why they end up becoming such a strong team in the end. Because, you know, in business, they say that if uh, if a customer has a service failure with your, your company or your product or okay. whatever, right. uh, bear with me, All I'm right. going somewhere. <laughs> Looking forward to this. <laughs> so if, if a customer has a service failure and you, as the, the provider of the customer service, give them a really good experience getting that fixed and taken care of, then the bond between the customer and you is actually stronger after that than it would be if they had never had a failure with whatever the product is in the first place. You know, think about it. You get a really good customer service with the place, you are going to build loyalty for that company as opposed to just, you know, once something wears out, maybe trying a different brand. You don't want to try a different brand if you know you're going to get good service. So here's where it ties into the TARDIS. They, uh, they actually are fighting. They're at odds at each other and then come through it. And the doctor is able to now recognize, oh, it's not just it's not just that uh, that he slowly over a long, long time sort of recognizes that they're 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 goodness. This is a, a, a super powered way to do it, to kick it in the pants and, and make it happen fast. Right. I like I like that analogy. Part of me wonders, uh, in another life or something, did you attend self help seminars for like uh, corporate retreats and everything? Because that does kind of smack of like a customer service. Um, I did learn this at a job, but it wasn't did. a customer service job, weirdly enough. No, but yeah, but it's always it's something that stuck with me and and has really I've, I've noticed that in in using products and it's held true. And I think that that's. You know, when you have when you have something fall apart and are able to to make up afterwards, mm-hmm. it draws you closer together. You're right. It does make sense. I, I think I've had a couple of times where it almost humanizes the corporate service entity on the other end of the line mm-hmm. when you realize that they're sort of just like you, just as a person trying to get to the bottom of something. And, mm-hmm. and or even when you have just a fight with a person, you know, afterwards yep. when you make up, you know throughout the course of that fight you learn things about the other person and yourself just like the doctor says in the episode mm-hmm. and i think he did learn oh. things about himself mm-hmm. it's a great little story isn't it one it that is. sort of came about as uh, as a last minute replacement for or last minute anything really mm-hmm. i like it when little stories like that come together yep yeah yeah and it was all the tardis it was all the TARDIS. that's the thing i'm not sure i'm that clear on the explanation of why Honestly, I think that 
um, the TARDIS needs a better UI to sort of <laughs> like you know because if this was like the if this was like a Windows update that kept popping up <laughs> and it was like showing me the history of the solar system or something to tell mm-hmm. me that a fast return switch is plugged in, I think I mm-hmm. might be updating the system. Not to mention the fast return switch, which is like clearly written with a sharpie on the yeah. console. Fast return and somebody's handwriting. I think at some point mm-hmm. during the production of that, uh, in order to show William Martin or whoever <laughs> this is the switch we'll be talking about, and I think they just forgot to rub it out or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. It's one of those little quirks of 1960s television mm-hmm. when it's pretty much played as live. And Well, I, under- I understood it. The mm-hmm. fast return, you know, right. takes you back. And if it gets stuck down, you're going to keep going back mm-hmm. and back and back. And if you go back to the beginning of the solar system, then, then that is bad for the TARDIS. Right. And you're all going to die. The TARDIS speaks in metaphors, basically. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Darmok and Janala Tanaga or exactly. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wrong, wrong uh, genre there. I Not know. genre. <laughs> I am mixing my metaphors. <laughs> Ooh. Just like the TARDIS perhaps was <laughs> doing in this. Yep. And I, I like the TARDIS being at the root of it. That was... Mm-hmm. And the fact that that was another thing mom said, she liked that there was no villain. Dad was, yeah. dad was annoyed. Uh, I was, I'm completely on board with that. I don't think there always needs to be a big guy in a rubber suit mm-hmm. running around and, and menacing, uh, menacing people. I like a, I like a more cerebral episode from time to time where they get to just figure things out. Mm-hmm. And this was a very early on for a surreal episode. Too. Yeah. You know, like the third story in, especially after like the Daleks, it, it, it kind of puts in mind, like, you know, you almost wonder how much in advance they knew what the audience was going to react to because you know they throw this right after the audience pleasing um mm-hmm. this one they're they're sticking to their remit of like sort of going forward in time backward in time and sideways was sort mm-hmm. of the the other way which is like to i assume sort of loop in contemporary stuff or right. alternate universe stuff or stuff you know where they get shrunk into you know the size of ants or something like that and and, you know, next week they go full on into historical mm-hmm. um, territory, which is part of the remit of the show, the educational aspect of it, you know. Speaking of the educational aspect of it, I feel like we got a little bit of that in here, too, in the the second episode yeah. where the doctor just stands there in front of, you know, a very darkened set with the TARDIS console yeah. behind him and has his little soliloquy mm-hmm. uh, practically to the camera explaining how, uh, you know, d- atoms come together to form dust and dust comes together to yeah. form solar systems. I can't say that that was my favorite part of the yeah. story. It was it was a little bit weird and silly, but it it fulfilled the remit of of being somewhat educational. So, mm-hmm. and but then he- Barbara does the same thing, which she pretty much could have just turned towards the camera to all the students when she's explaining how the switch works, because the doctor explains it to Barbara basically what mm-hmm. happened to the switch to Barbara and Ian mm-hmm. uh, about how it was pressed down and it just wouldn't come up again, and then like Barbara turns to Susan who is sort of speaking for the audience at this point, and ex- pretty much just explains the exact same thing again to her, which I thought was, yeah. And then the doctor using the flashlight analogy. Yeah, they're really hammering home the uh, solution point at this uh, that part of the episode. Well, it is kind of a weird esoteric reason. It's yeah. a weird solution. You know, there's no bad guy, so mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with them explaining and re-explaining and re-explaining because it's a little bit strange, and if you're six or seven years old, maybe you need it that many times. You might. And they might. Maybe they didn't know who the audience was back then. They were sort of, you That's know, true. thinking got a little more intelligent over the years. Mm-hmm. As we'll see. As Eventually. Eventually. We'll get there. But next week, this is so exciting for me. Marco Polo. Is that what it is? I didn't even know what came we next. We are going into Marco Polo, all seven episodes of which do not exist. <sighs> oh, boy. Yeah. But there are recons on YouTube. We will link to them. 
Um, you can watch along with us if you wish. There are scripts available as well if you want to read them along as well. So Yeah, that is that is my plan. Stephen has said that, that it's easier to get through a recon if you also have the script to read at the same time. So I'm, I'm willing to give that a shot. Mm-hmm. But I'm sort of bracing myself because I don't know that consuming it in this way is going to be easy. This is going to be a new experience for you. Yeah. See, I like the BBC audio that I've listened to of a couple of the missing ones. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's no pictures whatsoever. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how I do. Oh, we'll see. Because there was, you know, I like the linking narration that they they add into those. Mm -hmm. Well... Well, you'll see. <laughs> That's all I have to ooh, say about ooh. this. <laughs> Teasers. Hashtag teaser. About, about what Marco, uh, Marco Polo is like. It's an interesting story, and I hope you enjoy it. I hope so, too. Yeah, and I'm glad you enjoyed this. I, I did. did. Yeah, I really did. This was my second time through it in the space of a year, and mm-hmm. I think I liked it even better the second time. Awesome. Yep. Okay, then. Well, um, we're going to go uh, release this before we watch Game of Thrones and before the TV podcast releases a Game of Thrones recap. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Stick with the Incomparable Network, folks. We've got all <laughs> kinds of stuff going on. It's fantastic. We do. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.